Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. If you have thyroid eye disease and your eyes feel like they're getting kicked in the backside, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. It is the last late, late, late night, Sunday evening, Monday morning, PFF forecast, which means the playoffs are here. In the future, we'll still have a podcast for you Monday morning, but we won't have to record it when both of us look like we've been on a bender for the past Mm -hmm. 16 hours, which may or may not be true. Um, And it, uh, it also means that we now have games that are all great, despite your... Your hatred for Buffalo. You are like the funniest football snob of all time, and then you love the playoffs like so much. And I point out that yes, there are there are going to be some great games. However, I think it's we're a week away. We're, I'm juiced for Wild Card Weekend. See, Cfi is not a Cfi is going to be like. It's going to be glorious. No, it's not. You know why it's going to be glorious? Because both teams want to do the same thing, which is they want to suck and be losing and then have some heroic, how did they end up with a chance to win the game? And that just means means that there's going to be a lot of craziness in that game. But you know why I'm really happy? What? Despite the fact that we backed Freddie Kitchens, I am so pleased to see how they, they went out in just disgraceful fashion i mean they just got wrecked in cincinnati a couple of blocks away and freddie kitchens was fired the good news for freddie kitchens is that because he was fired after a game in cincinnati he can launch straight into his next career as a server at skyline chili right down the street from that is the Bengals' home that is a an honest job he finally gets the job he's always an honest job I don't even know if people serve at Skyline Chili. I feel like it's like a normal fast cash place. Get you served. Just get it at the no, beginning. there's an actual commercial. I've never eaten it. There. There's a commercial where someone talks about the yes, joy. There's also of a serving. radio commercial where somebody talks about sending Skyline Chili to their deployed brother. And can you imagine being deployed and and like getting a care package and it and being these sky, like like freeze dried Skyline Chili? No, I can't. I would. I think. Uh, I can't even tell you what I'd do to my brother if he sent me that. That's as much kitchen stock as we have because it doesn't deserve any more time. Right. Who do you think should be coaching the Cleveland Browns next year? 
if they had their choice, who should they who should they hire? Well, they're going to go on tilt, I think, a little bit and hire probably Kevin Stefanski. Okay, the guy that they the guy that they're the analytics wing of their of their Paul group, D Podesta. Paul D Podesta, who by the way hates Cleveland so much that he lives in Los Angeles. Right. I mean, good for him. But but <laughs> living uh, the dream. But. Like I think that they're gonna because that because the rumors are out that saying that they're like going to switch like who they give right you know, uh, yeah they're gonna let a guy to, they're gonna let a dude chilling at the beach in Malibu well, look, run people, the team people working from Cleveland haven't helped right I know I'm not saying it's a bad idea you I know. just that tells you how desperate they are for success yeah look you can live wherever you want just please fix our team I think if they could hire anyone they could they would probably hire Mike McCarthy. I think that's what ownership would want to do. They're not going to be able to because they're not mm-hmm. going to get their pick of the litter. I could see them trying to get one of the college guys, but I also don't think Matt Rule will want to go there either. Yeah, McCarthy Lincoln Riley, he's got a 4 million dollar buyout. Yeah, McCarthy is um McCarthy's a good I I, I think a good opportunity. I think Rule his specialty is taking over crappy organizations. Right. So, like you look at you look at McCarthy. Would McCarthy want to coach a team that there's question marks about whether they have a good starting quarterback? There's almost no history of them being good since they became the Browns again. It's not a storied franchise anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Would he like? Whereas Matt Rule took over Temple, and Temple was yep. a a you know group of five team that had like no reputation. Turned them around. He took over Baylor. They went from eleven losses to eleven wins. Right. Like his specialty is sort of taking these things and making them. Um, but at the same time, like I got a lot of respect for him because he was. They were trying to give him the Jets job, and he said, "No, no I want I'm my good. I want my way." And and so like the question is is like how much. How much is the dysfunction in Cleveland going to steer somebody like that away? I think it steers McCarthy away a little bit, too. I think it steers McCarthy away for sure. Lincoln Riley is the interesting one because, of course, he coached Baker in in college. And they have so many offensive weapons. He's got to be sitting there thinking, like, man, I could do so much with this team. But he's also got to be sitting there thinking, man, that's a lot of egos on this team. I really like the fact that at Oklahoma I get studs like CeeDee Lamb and they actually play hard for me. Briefly. Mayfield, I watched it, I watched his game intently today. Just because we, you know, we like them this week and everything. And there are some throws there that make you realize why he was number one overall pick. And then there are times when he's in the pocket where I wonder if he ever has a chance. You know who it sounds like you're describing? Jameis Winston. Uh, I was going to say even Russell Wilson in the pocket tonight was kind of that way too. But Russell Wilson, there are far fewer times where you go i can't believe you made that play and the play is actually yeah. that dangerous of a play well, and but the thing is is Jameis doesn't Jameis doesn't move in the like Jameis's pocket awareness like is weird to say better than mayfield's mayfield mayfield glides into pressure he creates his own pressure way more than Jameis does Jameis just airmails open receivers for interceptions way more than anybody else does and he makes bad decisions but he sets his feet well. Like, he does a pretty good job of like getting himself, you know, unpressured at times. But it's just he's a egregiously, you know, turnover prone. We said we were going to not talk about this I for know. very long. Cut. You can cut that part out. Sunday night football was amazing. We like Mayfield. May, we want to talk Mayfield. Yeah. Whatever. They suck. Teams that don't suck that are in the playoffs are the San Francisco 49ers, who now have the one seed and by an inch. And the Seattle Seahawks, who have been masquerading as a very good team, uh, 
then dropped back down to earth as a really bad team over the past couple of weeks. In the first half of this game, we're a really bad team. Mm -hmm. And then decided to pull it together enough to have a chance to win. Right. How did they have a chance to win? I just can't figure that out. The Niners never played poorly in that There's game. There's like a gravitational pull that, that pulls the Seahawks scores closer to their opponent's <laughs> scores, regardless of the game state. Or are, you the, saying that, are you saying that like Russell Wilson Wilson's had like big enough to, that he has a gravitational pull? Wilson, That's Marshawn Lynch. Wilson had 87 yards or something before the third quarter, like at the end of the third quarter. Um, I don't get it. I... I was commenting to you guys like during the the game that like how is this game close and they almost freaking won um, because when how many times was San Francisco stopped they were not they were it felt like the Niners were never stopped <laughs> Jimmy G averaged eleven and a half yards per attempt from a clean pocket and was only pressured on five dropbacks yeah yeah he averaged like Debo Samuel was continually roasting every defender in sight George Kittle could not be tackled and Raheem Mostert was they were they were season, dancing into the end zone there were seasons when I watched the Vikings where I th- said to myself the only time that they can get a stop on defense is when the other team chooses to stop themselves that's the only and like when it when tonight it seemed the same thing the only time the San Francisco Stop the San Francisco stop, you know, got stopped by Seattle was when they chose. They got a holding penalty or they decided to throw the ball short on a long third down play, uh, all that kind of stuff. When they decided to throw the ball past the sticks, it was completed for a first down every time. Like, I don't, I, I don't know how Seattle was in this game. I, it actually concerns me a little bit as someone that is a is kind of hoping mm-hmm. that the Niners make it far. It concerns me that they dominated the game so thoroughly. And barely won. It they also held, they held Marshawn Lynch to two point eight yards stop, carry, and they stop. almost didn't win. I mean, come stop. on. It also makes me feel really good that they went into a place like Seattle and won. No, don't give me that look. Okay. I. It doesn't matter to you that they went on the road. No. to Seattle and, what matter, and dominated what matters, the game. What matters to no? I'm perplexed as to why we went into this game knowing that they were the best team in the NFC West. Like we did, right? right? They were the best team the first game. They're the best team now. And it was perplexing to me that it was that close. Like I get, I get like they overcame it and you should feel good about that. The fact they have the one seed, as Chris said on the broadcast, substantially raises their probability of getting the Super Bowl. But like Seattle, Seattle's not a tough place to play anymore, right? They're basically 500 there the last like two and a half years. But that's because they suck. Well, that, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. The, 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 the thing about it is the Niners were the better team tonight and almost didn't win. Like, substantially better team. Like, I'm, I'm concerned. Like, I'm a little bit concerned as to how that happened, and I'm hoping, if you're a Niners fan, you're hoping there's just noise, right? They dominated the game thoroughly, and Seattle had to get a little lucky. Mm-hmm. To come back and, and then have they a chance, had to get lucky, have a chance to win. Yeah, and they had to get lucky to win eventually at the end, like the the pass, the non pass interference play, uh, and then of course Hollister deciding that he was going to fly. Well, it, frankly, the first fourth down with that little receiver guy instead just dove to the ground for the, for the first down instead of like plunging over, you know, for for the actual touchdown. Like there were a ton of like dodge bullets, but again. This game did not change my opinion of the Niners. Like, I went into the game thinking they were a lot better. You know, even though I thought three and a half was too many points, we did not take the Seahawks because it, we did not feel that way, right? We did not think that, you know, this was going to be too big for, for San Francisco and it ended up being that way. 
despite you know despite some you know tough things at the end. What I learned most about this game was the importance of George Kittle. So in the first time they played the Seahawks, they did not have George Kittle, and that offense didn't look so great. They had George Kittle, they had a healthy Emmanuel Sanders, and they had a healthy Debo Samuel. And with those three guys, this offense is legitimately very good. Yeah. So that's the part that gives me. Um, yeah, Jimmy G only one pass attempt over 20 yards, but he was. And you know who was two? Debo Samuel. There, Kyle. Kyle, you check. That's right. Check, Debo baby. was. He was what five of six for 85 yards in the intermediate range. He's been lethal there. He was only pressured five times. And he completed all three of the passes he did throw when he was pressured. So, I mean, Kittle and Samuel combined to be targeted what 12 times. Went 12 for 12, for like 190. These guys are incredible. And and Samuel Samuel reminds me of George Kittle a little bit. Yeah, Samuel was covered. Samuel got forty nine receiving yards against safeties and linebackers. Kittle, I think, was even worse. So I mean, even even better. Well, yeah, for the for the sake of the Seattle running their defense that way, even worse, right? The so we're going to talk about some fraudulent teams. I think the Seahawks are a little fraudulent. But let's start with the fraudulency that happened in um, in New England because I'm trying to remember, and you're you're a historian, so you can help me out with this. I'm trying to remember a time when Tom Brady played in a game that he had to win at home and was so thoroughly outplayed by a quarterback of Ryan Fit- Fitzpatrick's caliber. The last, I can't. The last time they didn't make the Super Bowl, they did this, they did this exact same thing, same thing. So 2015, I believe they lost a game to the Dolphins in Week. I at be- home, uh, I thought that was on the road. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't have. Yeah, they lost at Miami twenty to ten. That cost them the one seed, and then right. eventually they they had to go to Denver in the AFC title game and lost. I want to say that Brady was under siege in that game. Yeah, well, sure. The twenty fifteen New England Patriots is a lot like this group in that like they don't have they're not healthy. They don't have a ton of talent. Um, but no, I, I can't remember a time when they sh- they needed. I mean, frankly, it was this was a huge game. Yeah, this game, losing this game may have very well changed who wins the Super yeah. Bowl because the Chiefs getting to have a week off and then play at home is so massive, and not having to play the Tennessee Titans, who are legitimately a scary team. Mm-hmm. Now New England has to play them. New England, we're going to talk about this game in depth. I think we both agree has a legit shot to lose. So this may very well that's not the betting market. Yeah, that's crazy how the betting market feels. But yeah, I agree with you. You're not allowed to look ahead yet. Nah. Take it back. Rewind. The and so the, them losing this game obviously hurts their Super Bowl chances. So they knew they had to win this game. Yeah. I mean, they're not idiots. But I don't think. And so the the new, the Miami. Dolphins winning this game legitimately changes, there's I think, a, a large um, number of ways that this There's a couple, there's a couple hypotheses I have. A, they don't think, this sounds stupid, but they don't, winning the Super Bowl is not as important to them as it is to a team like San Francisco, Kansas City, New Orleans, and, you know, some of those other teams. Like, like the Patriots or the Dolphins? Well, what I, well, what I mean is, I think so we have the all these. Pa- we bring all these assumptions. You can't say the Patriots winning a Super Bowl is not important. To them. We bring all these assumptions. Tom Brady's like ninety playing. We bring all there. these assumptions. We bring all these assumptions into the New England thing. Like they win at home when they have to win, right? We bring that assumption into it. They the buy is the most important thing to them, right? We bring that assumption in, et cetera, et cetera. And over the course of this last season, a lot of those things have been chipped away at, right? 
Sure. You know, so like, for, frankly, the Kansas City game was the last game they lost at home that they needed to have. Right. And and then this game as well. Yeah, but they they were playing the Miami Dolphins. The Kansas City Chiefs are a good team. The Miami Dolphins are not. Yeah. But here's the thing. If you are a, if you are a team for which for which you're there, I don't think that they're maximizing the probability of winning the Super Bowl. It, their their objective function is uh, maximizing the probability of winning the Super Bowl every single week. So they're looking at this and saying, like, you know, we're we're the, we just if we're going to win the Super Bowl, it's probably going to have to be because we, you know, somehow we run into some luck, right? I think that that's how they see it. They probably have a very fair opinion of themselves. If you don't think they went into this game feeling as though it was a playoff game, then I I don't know what to say. No, I'm not saying they didn't, but they did not throw the kitchen sink at this game. They did not do trick plays. They did not do, they did not like... No, no, you're right. Tom Brady just played like dog shit. Exactly. I think think all of the narrative... It's very simple. I think the narrative about them being such and such in must-win games at home is more just them being a very good team historically and them losing today was less about them not taking the game seriously and more about them just being bad right that was my point yeah and i I, think the dynasty is probably over but then when they were when they were in a game with kansas city and they were bad what did they do they tried to they tried to maximize win probability by rushing 11 guys in the punt throwing a a james white pass doing a basically a you know hook and ladder right or what was it a flea flicker like they didn't do any of that stuff in this game bill i think bill belichick basically just said look if my team can't line up and beat the dolphins at home like we just suck yes (laughs) like that was the narrative of this game tom brady was not very good he was only under pressure five times yeah on 30 dropbacks. So the idea that he was under siege like he was in that last Miami game that you referenced is just not true. Um, had a couple of, of really bad um, plays where he put the ball up for grabs. Was not efficient in the intermediate range of the field. Went just 4-4-15 four, four, uh, on throws 10 to 19 yards downfield, which is normally where when he's good, he really does well. And I, he's just not good. Like. It's not good. This is they're in trouble. I don't understand how you can't beat the the Dolphins in a game that well, you have to win. I just don't get and, it. And we we ran into the bus that was Tennessee. I do think if Houston, as they said they were going to, prior to when we when we had our podcast, would have played their players, I think it would have been a different different story. Um, but Tennessee is is no slouch. Tennessee is probably the third best team in the AFC playoffs right now. Wow, that is a bold call. I mean, they have, they have call. a top three quarterback in the AFC right now. Maybe Watson. Maybe Watson's probably third, but but there. But he. But he's playing the third move. best. He's playing the third best. Yeah, I'm not going to let you put Tannehill over Watson. I'm saying and, he's and played escape this room over the last ten weeks. Who's played better, Tannehill or Watson? Right. That's why you don't. That's why you take I, into account more than ten weeks of data. Okay. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just throwing that. Uh, up. You walked it back. Yeah. And you should have, because that was but, but if you're, sinful. Who would you rather play if you were the if you were a Kansas City Chiefs fan? Who would you rather see in round two, Tennessee or Houston? Tennessee, a hundred million times out of a hundred. Okay. Are you kidding me? Okay, you would rather see Ryan uh, Deshaun Watson than Ryan Tannehill. Stop. I think so. Yeah. Stop it. I think so. <laughs> this is going to be a discussion then. What? I I think ten. So here's that's what, blasphemous. Here's my thing about Houston. Houston. 
a certain percentage of the time you get brilliant performances out of Watson, and he's really tough to beat. Another percentage of the time you get who he was against Tampa Bay, where it's he's he has a hard time beating Jameis when Jameis throws seven picks, right? Now, you could the thing with Tennessee is that like they they do a, a really, really, really good job of putting Tannehill in position to succeed. And that's I mean, they what, should have just gotten blown out by Houston the last time they played him at home. I know. But but they also they put Tannehill in a great position to succeed. And and Houston does not put Watson in a position to succeed the majority of the time. And so you get half the time he plays great, and the other half of the time he doesn't. We are in this together with Deshaun Watson, and you're just jumping ship. I'm not. I'm just, I'm just leveling expectations for Houston fans. The four of them. <laughs> uh, but the Buffalo game would be... I mean, Buffalo's not a joke as far as teams go. And I think that'll be it. I mean, their defense still played really well today. Even though no one was starting, no one was playing. Yeah, and and Will Fuller, if he's not 100, percent that matters. I I agree. So if the Patriots are very fraudulent, are the Packers more fraudulent? Yes or no? Yes, because they actually. So the Packers are more fraudulent because I think people think the Packers are think more highly of the Packers than they do the. Oh, they definitely do. I, I was watching the Fox pregame show. It's, a, it's egregious. By the way, if you have to watch one pregame show, which one do you watch? Uh, well, I, I, you know, with Sam and Austin do theirs. That's I, I go on YouTube and I watch that one. That doesn't count. Okay. Like an actual pregame show. There's, there's ESPN, Fox, and CBS. Uh, wow. That's a good one. I, if I had to pick CBS... Okay, I, I watch Fox every time because Jay Glazer's good, and um, they you don't like Jim. You don't like James Brown's uh, hairline. CBS pregame show is kind of rough, to be perfectly honest with you. And um, and and Krista Thompson does the first hour of Fox's, and she's great as well. But the entire Fox pregame show could not stop slobbering over how Green Bay was a team to be reckoned with and how Aaron Rodgers started to put it together and now they've got Aaron Jones. In fact, they went through who are the most dynamic duos in the NFL uh, and Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones were one of them, uh, which I thought was really fantastic. Their defense is putting it all together and I, I was listening to this. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, there's just no way. Like, The Packers are one of the teams I am least scared of in the entirety of the NFC bracket. Right. I, I, the only thing, and again, this this is the same thing as with Seattle. The only thing that should scare you about Green Bay is the fact that they have all of the advantages with home field. Now. Well, now they do, right? So it's going to be kind of, if they end up succeeding, it will be because they've gotten lucky, not because they are a good team. I mean, they almost lost to David Blau today. I Another mean, they should have lost to David Blau. They they got that that team led that team led the Detroit Lions this season for zero minutes. Zero seconds. Zero seconds. <laughs> and, and like, I don't no, know. Zero seconds. They legitimately could not, they, they could not beat David Blau for a single second of this game. Aaron Rodgers throwing downfield is, is pretty tough to look at. So he completed, let's see, three of 17 throws, 20 plus yards downfield. Uh, it doesn't get much better if you look at 10 plus. He was uh, 3, 6, 4, 25, 28. He was on tilt the entire game. It's not he just great. kept throwing the ball deep. 
and like Detroit somehow got an interception, like right at two minutes, and lost the game. Uh, a game that was tied. That's because they have David Blau at quarterback. No, I mean I think it's mostly because they have. Uh, I I think that I think that the end of game stuff is pretty rough for them. I mean, he averaged five point five yards from a clean pocket, which is a solid two and a half yards below the league average. Yeah. He completed fifty percent of his throws from a clean pocket. I watched a decent amount of this game, and he was just missing throws left and right. And Devontae Adams made a couple of that's why you think the playoffs are plays. so good. You watched Packers Lions for a significant amount of that game. Yes, I mean the, the regular <laughs> season is tough. There's yeah, like yeah. three good games a week, and you have to sludge through red zone, showing you meaningless touchdowns right. by Nick Chubb. So if you're ranking the most fraudulent teams in the NFL playoffs, I'm going to go Packers 1, Patriots 2, Seahawks 3. Yeah, there's really nothing. And then Minnesota Vikings are, are four. Minnesota 4, sure. Yeah, because Minnesota has... Had, but they're, they're less fraudulent because they have squeaked. They're the sixth seed. No one, but no, and no one except for Vikings fans who were... Who were Depressed about Kirk in 2018, thought that the Vikings were going to do anything this True. year. So the fact they finished 10 and six, despite getting swept by the Bears and Packers, they think they they think that they're you know uh, this is an ascending team. When in reality, you look at that schedule and they've gotten roasted by any real quarterback they faced, and you know and you know faced a lot of backups. So you're in agreement with my fraudulent rankings? I am. I, I think the issue is I think Seattle has been found out as fraudulent, right? Like the, over the past few weeks, people have started to catch on. Yeah, but the fact that they battled back in this game. Well, yes. I do think some people will think, will think of that highly. I also think the Philadelphia Eagles are fraudulent. But I, but I, I would put them in the middle of the pack because I don't think they're that highly thought if of. You, if you look at teams that we consider playoff teams, the NFC East does not exist uh-huh. in that group. Yeah, they are a disaster. I mean, they're so bad. Uh, we we're doing our best not to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and their atrocity of a situation. I would assume I'm actually kind of surprised that Jason Garrett hasn't been let go. Well, I think that they're going to let it string out a little. I think honestly, there's probably some honor to the Freddie Kitchens, the Pat Shermers, the um, obviously the guys that already got fired. There's so, some honor. So Jerry to- wants it to know that he views the coach he's going right. to fire. It was more like in the 2004 playoffs where Mike Tice, they lost the second round, but at the four o'clock game on Sunday. And he said, we're the fifth best team in the NFL. It's sort of like that sort of. So they're what the yeah, yeah. 13th. Yeah. Well, they were the fifth team left. <laughs> Who the, the, yeah. Like, so they all four of the other, all three of the other teams lost that week. Right. I, I get the math there. I'm talking about the Cowboys. Oh, the, uh, yeah. The Cowboys. I, I don't know. I, well, I, like I said, I think that they've been along, they've been around so long that I think Jerry thinks that he's doing Jason Garrett some A honor yeah, yeah. To, to hold no, it I on. Agree. Like, you don't want to get fired the same hour that Freddie Kitchens gets fired. But I think he's also sitting there like, no. who would I get instead of him? Is he the best? But you're the Dallas Dallas Cowboys. You don't have to wait. You don't have to, like, strike while the iron's hot. You say, come and get me. Like, the biggest biggest mistake the Dallas Cowboys have made is when they fired Wade Phillips to put in Garrett without a search. Because they could get better. Like, they could have gotten better, right? I mean, you would think so based on how notable their franchise is. Yes. But here's the problem. Jerry Jones runs that team. 
So if you go in there, you know you're getting, you're just administering to Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones says, I want this to happen, and your job is to make it happen. So maybe you don't want to do that. So maybe Jerry's sitting there going, look, Jason's been really good to me. When I whistle, he comes running. They have to, they have to though. Do they? Uh, Could you imagine? Uh, wow. Another year of Jason Garrett. I think Jerry's sitting there with a very expensive glass of scotch trying to convince himself. Same. All right, you ready to get in the games? Okay, let's do it. I'm excited. All right, so the Saturday slate is the AFC, and it starts with Buffalo at Houston. The second we knew this game was happening, you knew it was going to be on ESPN with Tess and Boog because uh, Buffalo and Houston are the markets that no one is going to watch, and that's why you, it ends up on know, ESPN. Can I, can I talk to you briefly? Did you know that the Frank Reich playoff game was blacked out in Buffalo? I didn't. Yeah. Wow. And like so, Matthew Caller, he that's where he grew up. He said that game was blacked out. They did not sell out a playoff game in Buffalo during their four Super Bowls and four seasons run. That game was not on local TV in Buffalo. That's incredible because blacked out also describes every single Buffalo Bills fan. <laughs> yeah. uh, they don't blackout games anymore, but no, they just <laughs> light each other on fire. Buffalo at Houston. Uh, what did you think this would be? Uh field goal houston i think they're basically the same team similar teams interesting so i had houston as a four and a half point favorite yeah and they are it's three and a half for three depending upon the juice now here's a here's an interesting thing so the total on this game was well beneath 40 wow and now it is 41 so you're talking, it was like 38 and a half a couple minutes ago. Now it's 41. Yeah, 38 and a half is ridiculous. Yeah. Houston's defense, they played most of their players today, and they got steamed by, by Tennessee. I think, I think that this 41, I think, is an over. The, what's the, what, what keeps you away from this over? It's just a Tennessee. Like, or sorry, Nothing is keeping me away Houston, from over Houston 41. Houston just doesn't show up? Nothing's keeping me away from over 41, and I'm still trying to find out why Houston, because three is basically home field. Now, I think really Houston's for a Houston, little weaker, but yeah. I think for Houston, it's probably more like two, two and a half. So three is saying that Houston is the better team. But Deshaun Watson, and you've hated on Deshaun Watson just a few minutes ago, which honestly hurt me deep in my soul. Deshaun Watson is getting only three points against Josh Allen at home mm-hmm. with with DeAndre Hopkins with Will Fuller with Kenny Stills. The Fuller thing, I'm 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 a little concerned that Fuller doesn't play. I, so that would be the one thing. Uh, this is what I wrote down. I am if it's less than four or less than four and a half, and Fuller is healthy, then I am taking the Texans every single time because they're just a better team, and they're playing at home. They have. They actually have playoff experience. Yep. Yeah. If Fuller's not healthy. Their playoff experience I am sucks. Concerned. But yes, they're and and Buffalo's. Yeah, because they always end up playing a Patriots team that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the hard part was so last season when they played this spot, they played at home against Indy. That game, the total was like fifty one. So it was a totally different yep. line game. Game ends twenty one seven. It was a game where Watson didn't have Fuller. He looked out of sorts. And it was, again, it's kind of a similar situation in that you're talking about zone defenses, right? And the zone defense where I think Watson does a great deal of his you know, hurting other defenses when he's you know allowed to escape, players have their back turned, 
and and also just how pinpoint he is and throwing back shoulder stuff, that's not as simple to do against his own, especially his own that is as well run as Buffalo's. So I I, I agree with you that if I'm looking to, to shade a side and Houston's minus three, minus 115, so it looks like people have some appetite for Houston here. I I do think that there are some things that the Bills do that are very good. And it might be tougher on on Houston to mitigate those because they are not they are weaker in some things that I think Buffalo is very good at. Yeah. Like Buffalo is a physical football team and, and Houston is finesse as hell. Sure. It's played on turf indoors. The Buffalo bills offense. Can they take advantage of Houston's defense? Cause my answer would be no. How much do they have to though? This game's total is 41. You're looking at, you're looking at a game that's what in the, that they have to win basically what 20 to 17 23 20 like they basically need one deep shot to John Brown right and they need and they, they need, need some, one deep shot to John Brown they're going to win the game no i mean i'm saying in terms of like for them to have it when, when they played the patriots did you consider their offensive performance good for them sure last right sure. so so like what was that like allen wasn't accurate no he, but i don't the, expect him to be accurate here yeah but he made a really nice throw to dawson knox for mm-hmm. a, almost a touchdown and he threw a deep t- shot to john brown and then cole beasley did his little thing underneath right and i think that that we just said the patriots are bad not their defense i mean i guess their defense was bad today i don't i don't know Devonte parker turns Stephon gilmore into a very average so player. you're leaning you're leaning houston if you had to bet it right now you'd bet mm-hmm. houston i would i yes okay you would not no, I'm I'm providing the resistance. If I had to pick, I w- I don't think I'm going to touch this game because I just don't. Both teams are like enigmas to me. I want to, I want accuracy to matter in the NFL. So I'm p- partially like against an offense that succeeds despite its quarterbacks inaccuracy. And I really like Deshaun Watson, but results have been been shoddy at times with him, right? And, yeah. and so in the playoffs, I just. I'm a little concerned laying the points here. I have if they're on the road as underdogs, if they're on the road as underdogs next week, I kind of like them. Yeah, but but in the favorite role, it's just it's tough for me. I have to be honest with you. I so I feel a little queasy about it. I don't feel great about Houston, but I'm rejecting my initial gut feeling. Okay, and going back to my Deshaun Watson love, which okay. has persisted throughout the past couple of seasons, and I'm letting that be my guiding light. Okay. Um, Anything else on this game that you want to talk about? Uh, well, I'll just say that, like, you know, going into the week, and again, we don't adjust we don't adjust ELO for Week 17 games unless both teams have the same thing to play for. So San Francisco-Seattle would be the one this week. Um, so these are fairly accurate. It's, it's kind of what you think, right? If you look at some of the efficiency, you look at the, the change in quarterback, it's a Houston play. If you look at some of the un- other things, like the grading, how they grade roster, it's a Buffalo play. So it's pretty split. That's interesting, right? I mean, it's kind of exactly what we said. Hmm. Yeah. Can't believe you turned on Sean Watson. I know. I'm sorry. I said quarterback. If it's all about the quarterback. Can't believe it. It's him. Can't believe it. Well, when he proves me right, you don't get to take any Didn't credit. Didn't we bet against each other last, week in the, last year in the playoffs and... And you took, I took, I think we split, but one I did win was I took Indy and you took Houston. Do you want to, do you want a friendly wager here? Sure. Okay. I'll take Buffalo plus the three. Sure. Okay. 
You wear your Josh Allen jersey. If 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 Houston if Houston covers that, I will buy and wear a Josh Allen jersey. How's that? Great. You gonna make the cutoff? Uh no. Damn. It's not. We're not gonna do that. A boy can dream. Tennessee, New England. This is very interesting. I have the New England Patriots as a four and a half point favorite. Yeah, I going into the day, I said, I said four. Wow. And we were both right until we weren't, because it opened at it opened at three and a half, and now it's five and a half. I know it's now five and a half. I read that it opened at four and a half. Three and a half surprises. Well, when we were at the when we were at the sports book today, it was three and a half. When like literally the games were uh, over in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So th- this moved exactly how I thought it would move. The total has also gone up by like three points because when I when I was writing down reasons for why I think it's four and a half, I thought, okay, the Titans have an offense that is better than the Patriots' offense right now. Okay. Ryan Tannehill is playing better at quarterback than Tom Brady is playing right now. And then I thought, okay, but it's the Titans, and they're in the playoffs, and they're going to New England. And it's Ryan freaking Tannehill. Okay? We got to remember that. Like, it's still Ryan Tannehill. I get that he's played well when no one has believed in him, but saying that you're only a a four-and-a-half-point underdog to New England means that people believe in you a little bit. And the Titans' defense is a joke. So I started to kind of, you know, I, I start. I put four and a half. I wasn't going to waver on that, but I get exactly why it's now five and a half. Mm-hmm. It's Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I would say I would say people are just blindly backing New England, eventually waiting for them to play like they did against the Chargers in the playoffs last year. Which I don't think is a crazy thing because it's the Titans and the Titans and the Chargers are super similar. Mm-hmm. Um, the only issue I have is that when you watch Tennessee's offense, even like we were against Tennessee last week, we bet they're under win total. Like we're against Tennessee in a lot of ways because of there are certain things about their team that the numbers don't like. But when you watch their offense, they Tannehill, they put Tannehill in the exact right spot where all Tannehill has to do is what he's good at. And I think, like, the hard part is New England's defense supposedly is good, although they got dragged up and down the field today by, by, Ryan, Fitzpatrick. by Ryan Fitzpatrick. You say Tennessee's defense is a joke. I don't they think it matters. They can't pressure on anybody. Yes, but I don't think it matters against... Their cornerbacks are rejects from New England. Yes, but, like, you saw that touchdown by Ty Sambrello today when Matt Ryan threw it up the seam. To, that's, like, that's like how New England throws to every tight end. That's every New England tight end. New England is going to have three trick plays in this game. Mohamed Sanu might take ten dropbacks. Okay, I see. I, I agree. I agree that I'm. I agree that this number open maybe a little low. If this gets to six, I think it's a buy Tennessee situation. I agree, but I, I I think there is a big overreaction to Tennessee beating Houston's backups and New England losing to Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I totally agree makes them fraudulent. Yeah, but how much different would this have been going? What was the look headline? Well, I guess we don't know because the matchups weren't determined and no one thought the New England was playing in this game. But the I don't think that perception of Tennessee changes that much after this game. 
Because I think most people in their head are like, Houston, A, has a terrible defense, and B, aren't playing anybody today. Here's a question that I had. What is, what is Kansas City? What would you have made Kansas City at home against? Um, hmm. Three and a half. Interesting. Because I did... I didn't know, obviously. We didn't know when we were guessing. And so I, I had both New England and Tennessee. And I had um, I had New England four and a half, and I had Kansas City five and a half. I just think Kansas City is fundamentally far better than New England. Yes, but I think you pay a tax every time you, you, every time you bet on New England. So like you mean, like, you mean so I, the I, market? Yes, I would say the right. Mar- I get that. I'm saying what I would have made the line yeah. though. Yeah, the last time the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans faced themselves faced each other in playoffs two years ago, Kansas City was eight and a half point favorites. It's crazy how much ten- the the perception of Tennessee has that changed. That was an incredible game. By I the way. hate that. Stop. <laughs> um, but uh, I, uh, yeah, so maybe I Alex Smith. Yeah, it was Alex Smith's last game as a Chief. So. Okay, so in this game, what are, where are you? Are at five and a half? You're just basically laying off. This is a dead number, you know. Can't New England? New England's just enigmatic. The the thing about New England is it's almost they're not even enigmatic anymore. They just are bad. Yeah, at five, five and a half is a is a layoff for me. I I have really hard time taking New England. I think if I had to bet New England, if I had to bet five and a half, I think I would take. Tennessee. How did they cover the six and a half against Buffalo just two weeks ago? A random weird two point conversion well, play. Well, Josh Allen is not as good of a quarterback as Ryan Tannehill. Or Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Okay. All right. Well it'll be and, interesting. And and here's the thing. Tennessee AJ Brown is a receiver that can make plays. Like they have they have offensive playmakers that can actually go out there and make Correct. some plays. Yep. And that is what Devontae Parker did today. That, I mean, that's why offense carries, right? If an offense, if if an offensive player is going to be able, capable of making plays, they are going to do that to you. It doesn't matter how sound your scheme is, right? Because mm-hmm. they're going to catch the ball in the in the flat or on a screen, right? And they're going to go make some plays, and that's what AJ Brown has done all yeah. season. I let's move on to the NFC. I think, like, look, these games are obviously better than the median or even the seventy fifth percentile normal. You, know, you game. hate these games, but I do not like these two games. I you're a hater. I'm not a hater because you watch bowl games. I do. I watch all kinds of football games. You watch bowl games and you're hating on these. I watch all kinds of football games. I'm just not. And it may be just because I don't like. Look, I love the fact that the Chiefs are in have a two seed like and I was not expecting this game to happen. But I but Houston and New England are frustrating because they're just so random. And Tennessee and Buffalo are frustrating because they're a lot better than I thought they were going to be. Okay. Sunday, Minnesota at New Orleans is the early game. It is on Fox. Yeah. And New Orleans has got to be pissed. Well, they got screwed by a non-pass interference call again. They have got to be really pissed because of all the teams that we are going to talk about, right? I mean, we're going to talk about eight different teams. And there is no doubt about it that New Orleans is by far and away the best of all these teams. Yeah. It's not even close. What did you have Minnesota at New Orleans? Uh, I said seven. 
Interesting. Okay, I had six. And it is somewhere between seven and eight. So I saw it. I've seen it at seven. It's at eight on Bet Online. I see seven and a half. It's seven and a half other places. I mean, basically, there's obviously, as they say, two way action on this. So interesting. Seven and a half. If it's over a touchdown, I like the Vikings. Yeah, my only my thing is that I don't. So here's where here's where it's finally going to happen. Okay, the Vikings' offense has been okay this year actually, but in the last nine games they've been a below average offense in terms of yards per play, EPA, all that kind of stuff. So they're not they're season long. They've been a good offense. If their best hope is that Adam Thielen got healthy this week, the rest of the team got healthy. But throw that out. Their defense sucks, and New Orleans is going to exploit them. And I think this is finally the game where, okay, New Orleans is hanging 35 on you, Kirk. If you are going to win this football game, you have to win. You have to put up 38 points. And I just can't. I, mean, I don't. He's not going to win the game. No, but I. There's but, no chance he wins. But the game. here's the thing: Kirk's not going to lose this game by three. It's going to be like. It's going to be God, one, you hate Kirk It's going to so be much. one of those things where Drew Brees puts you know puts his hand on top of Kirk's head and holds him against the ground while he kicks and screams for the whole sixty minutes. Yeah, because their defense is not going to stop New, New Orleans. I'm so, it's, this is this is a different animal than when these two teams faced two years maybe, ago. Maybe, but I'm also not totally sure that the New Orleans Saints offense is that. Yeah, I know that they beat the Carolina Panthers. I'm not, no, I'm, I get that. I'm not. That's not a flag one. football. T- Freddie Kitchens led flag football team. Might have had Stop. a chance what against position Will is Greer. Freddie Kitchens play center. So, so I'm not. I'm not totally sold on the like Drew Brees and that offense scored a lot of points, but Drew Brees wasn't amazing today. Um, they won that game because Carolina is terrible, and as bad as the Vikings defense is, they. If if Thielen can come back and play in this game, then I think seven and a half is just too many. Okay. As much as the New Orleans Saints are clearly the better team in this, well, we have seen New Orleans in the past struggle to cut. Like so, we we were once on them against Carolina in the 2017 playoffs. They had a big lead. Other team comes back. All that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, they, they, Philly. Philly. Last year. Philly was the same thing. Um, what are they? Thirteen and a half. No, they were, they were nine, and then they got out. They got behind, and they kicked a field goal. Maybe they like push it. I think mm-hmm. was it. I, I can't remember. Um, I don't know, man. I think Breeze indoors against Vikings defense. Kendricks is hurt, right? He had to sit out today, but it wasn't. He's it, coming back. Though. It's not one of those like. I mean, he like legitimately hurt like a leg muscle. Where you're talking about time off. He's been their best defensive player. They press. They have. They get good pressure up on the edges but the tackles for new orleans are great and then the outside like xavier rhodes i'm sorry i like he's just not a starting caliber corner in the nfl anymore yeah but he's going to be out there against you know some pretty good player antonio brown for example so it's seven and a half you're going new orleans uh if i had to i'd lay new orleans i would hopefully wait for it to get down to seven but uh yeah i i lean new orleans just because i think this is gonna be a blow the totals at 46 and I, I see it. Yeah. I very much like um, the over in this game. Yeah, I can see that. The only thing that w- I would guard against that is the Kirk meltdown. Yeah, but if Kirk has a meltdown, they're going to be down by 30 in, in the second and half. what does he love to do? By the He's going to pad those stats. You yeah. know it. 
Okay. They, that's weird, though. They have the lowest percentage of three or more wide receivers since 2006, the mm-hmm. San Diego Chargers. I don't know. We haven't seen them in that role yet this year. As like a as a get behind like their games where they've gotten beaten like handily the whole time. Packers game first game under. Uh, Bears game was under. Packers last game under. Uh, so like they're not like a they're not that team anymore. I don't think it's weird. I, I don't know. I, I do like the over, but I but I think it's they're going to have to actually play well for this game to go over the Vikings and the and the Saints. Yeah, but look, Kirk Cousins is going to play terribly if he's a favorite, but he's a big underdog. He's got nothing to lose. Just going to go airmail it out. What's what's the the Thielen's deal? No, he's just he's healthy, but he's just not gotten incorporated back into the offense. Incorporated back into the offense. What are we baking a cake here? Incorporated I, egg. I just I just I'm just the messenger here. Don't shoot me. Uh, feels great. He's ready for the playoffs. Well, he's being he- then. Yeah. Then I don't know what what we what we should do here. Then if Diggs, I mean Diggs and Thielen are easily a top three wide receiver duo when healthy and when when the offense is incorpor- is featuring when, them right yeah. when they're healthy. Yeah, but obviously they're featured when they're healthy. Yeah, I well, th- I mean we're we're. Three months ago, right, Stephon Diggs literally didn't show up to practice because he was pissed off about not being featured in the offense. And since then, he's... They started throwing the ball. They started throwing the ball to him, but Thielen has like 300 yards receiving this year. So it's like, it it is a different... Like, last season, they didn't have a problem incorporating the two guys in the offense. This year, I think they actually do. And it's just a weird thing where they've been somewhat efficient because of Kirk throwing to one wide receiver out of play action. Both of them, I don't think it's that big of an enhancement right now. Interesting. I think it is. Okay. I, well, I, if we're betting the over, I hope so, too. <laughs> I mean, their third wide receiver is... Yeah, they're, well, they've, they've, I think they've pivoted this year from featuring, from featuring Thielen in a wide-open offense with, where Diggs is the big play guy to featuring Diggs almost exclusively. I mean, he's been hurt for so much of the season. But you look at his statistics this season, you're talking about three catches, 43 yards, five catches, 75 yards, three catches, 55 yards, two catches, six yards. That was when he was healthy. Right, but their offense was a joke during that time. Right, and I think that their offense just became a joke that threw the ball deep to digs off play action better. And, yeah. and then they played bad teams. Your hatred for the Minnesota Vikings is a beautiful thing. It's one of my favorite things about you. The Seahawks are playing the Eagles in Philadelphia. The Philadelphia Eagles, I believe, are a going to be a two-point favorite. Or, sorry, two-point underdog. Jesus. Yeah, I said it would open the same as it did uh, the last time where we bet the Eagles. Minus, Eagles minus one. And it is Eagles plus one? Yeah, so this is... This has gone through zero a few times, but it's currently Eagles plus one and a half. Plus one and a half. Total 46, which I think is high. Yeah, well, the, the Eagles... So, I was stunned by this. Carson Wentz is the first Eagles quarterback to throw for over 4,000 yards, which... How is that possible? How did Don McNabb never throw for 4,000 yards? Well, in 2005, there were only... Yeah, it just didn't happen. Yeah, there were only like so many, and then... They weren't like a wide open offense. If you were throwing for four thousand yards back in the day, you were either a run and shoot quarterback like Warren Moon or you know Jeff George, or you were playing for like Mike Martz or somebody like that. And like McNabb played for Andy Reid, who like 
And their best receiver was James Thrash some years. You know, it's just weird. They're tight end. They were a tight end offense back for with Reed. I mean, Carson Carson Wentz hasn't had a wide receiver uh, for whom he has like an above league average pass rating when throwing to. I know they just don't have anybody. And what's interesting about this is both these quarterbacks are pretty solid. Who do you think? Who has the worst supporting cast? It has to be Carson Wentz, right? Yeah, I mean, because Lock- he has a good line. Yeah, but his line's banged up. Jason Peters didn't play today. No, no. Sorry, Lane Johnson, Lane didn't, Johnson. Play, didn't play today. Um, they, their running backs or whatever, you know, it, it's like a... Yeah, and then but they, they are underdogs now. So so how do you feel? Are, are you... I'd take the points of Philly here just because, again, Seattle point. is just like... I mean, We're really going to see Philadelphia playing in the second round of the playoffs i don't know like we're really gonna see seattle yeah. playing in the second round of the playoffs i mean i guess wilson, yeah, russell wilson, wilson tyler lockett decaf metcalf wilson, average, agree, wilson averaged 5.8 yards per pass attempt tonight yeah he wasn't sensational he hasn't been he hasn't been like obviously mvp caliber for like six weeks i think tyler lockett might still be hurt yes but that just shows you sort of that shows you how much better the support is for Seattle than it is for Philly because, you know, Wentz has, Wentz has dealt with all of this already, right? Mm-hmm. Wentz has long since given the cheeseburger to uh, Alshon Jeffrey and made him a left tackle. And, you know, he's long since he's lost Zach Ertz for the season, basically, right? And, like, you know, now he's throwing to AAF receivers. Would it be disappointing for Seattle if they lose this game? Would this, would this be a disappointing season? Uh, season? No. I think Seattle is so weird because I think Seattle is very smart in some ways. And then they, of course, like are head scratching in many ways. Like, I think the people within the Seattle building know that this is like a found money season. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, they're not going to be, they're not, they're not going to be like, Hey, we're gang bang, you know, gang busters all over the place. Right. So like, uh, you know, they're, um, they're, I, I think they know, right? They know that they're, uh, you know, not very good, I think. Well, the weird thing about this is that Seattle just has, they're just always having to make a comeback, some miraculous yeah. comeback. But this feels like a game where they could actually... Like they did the first time. Get out to a lead, yeah. right? And and they should be able to win that game with... with. Uh, They've only really had a lead and lost it when. They had a lead against... Baltimore, and they threw the pick six to Marcus Peters. Yeah, kick that awesome field goal. Kick the awesome field goal. Um, but you look at this, like, you look at this season, I feel like if, if, you, if they go through it and say, okay, Chase McLaughlin missed a field goal against San Francisco the first time, Greg Zerline missed a field goal against them, you know, against the Rams mm-hmm. the first time, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota crapped the bed like a few times against them in that game. Um, they're, you know, they're not like... I don't know. They're not. They, I don't think that they they view themselves as like being this like juggernaut Super Bowl contender. I would hope not, because yeah. they they sure aren't. Okay, let's go through um, the four games and say which side. Okay, we would go on. We'll keep track of this, and okay. uh, someone will do some you know heinous thing. Yeah, like maybe we're a white snake cut off or something like that. All right, uh, the Bills are three point underdogs. You would take the Bills. Yes. And I would take the Texans, um, and the over or the total is forty-one. I think we'd both 
go over, although that's moved a lot. Yeah, 41's a key number. I'd still take, I think 41.5 would actually be like a legitimate place for you to have to consider under. The Titans, 5.5 point underdogs in New England. Man, total 43. Which side would you go on? I'm taking Tennessee plus the points. And then I'm going, I'm going, uh, let me look here. What's the total 43? Mm-hmm. I'd still go over that. I think Tennessee's actually a pretty efficient offense. So, yep. I would do the same. Five and a half, man. I can't believe it opened at three and a half. Yeah, we're the PFF. I would imagine Greenline would be ambivalent to this at worst and would like New England at would like New England at three and a half. Uh, for sure. Yes, but five and a half. I think I still think like our numbers because Tannehill's like s- different splits are not as like generous to him as like you just look at his yeah, yeah. Tennessee splits. So there, this might be a play where both of us disagree with the model. I could see it. Yeah, I could definitely see it, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it. I I'm on the fence with that one because Tennessee is just you just don't the know. Titans. You just don't know. Come on, uh, Vikings. Wow, I see it now at eight. Yeah. So at eight, ugh, I I would take the the stupid Vikings. Okay, I'm going New Orleans. I'm laying the points, and it's I least surprising thing yeah, ever. And I could have been eighteen. Yeah. Um, do I want? And I still I'll take over forty six and a half. Yeah, I'd do the same. In in a dome. Okay. So you, so George is Minnesota plus eight and over forty six and ugh. a half. Okay. Uh, Seattle. Minus one and a half in Philly. Total 46. All right. I'm going to take. God. I'm going to take Philly plus one and a half. And I'm going to take under 46. Yeah. Uh, I do think it'll be hard for Seattle to bounce back from that emotional game. But they're the better team. And I will take Seattle. Wow. Laying the points. Minus one and a half. All those points. All those points. Are you going under or over? I'll probably go under. Okay. A nice little low scoring game. Alrighty, we're on the playoffs. I'm excited. You're not. You'll be excited next week when we have the divisional, and I will be perhaps angry that Buffalo and Sans, and, and, sans clothing because of the and, Niners and intending domination. We'll be like next week, like welcome to the, the divisional playoff rounds. The Tennessee Titans traveling. Can you imagine? So, so, so Tennessee would go to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. That'd be kind of a, that'd be a good that'd match. be a fun game. Yeah, yeah. And then Buffalo would go to Kansas City. Okay, I those can get games on board are great. There. All right, so then if things go the way I say, then New Orleans would go to Green Bay, which we talked we wrote about in our column. That'd be awesome. That'd be a great game. I can't wait to take the points. What do you New think Orleans. the spread would be there? Pick them. Wow. Because you're you're gonna be they're gonna New New Orleans is four points better than Green Bay, but that's gonna be like home field plus a buy. Yeah. Uh, and then Philly versus... You know what's crazy? I think Green Bay would be favored in that game. Oh, I can't wait. I think so. I, I think they'd be favored in that game. So then Philly So then it'd be Philly plus... Uh, Philly going to San Fran, which is going to be a, a disaster, a nightmare. Yep. It's like, I mean, when, we, it's like when Steve Walsh is... You better Bears. hope Seattle wins just so that it's not Philly going to San Francisco. When Steve Walsh's Chicago Bears went to San Francisco and Steve Young... I think beat them like 52 to 10 or something the last time the Niners won the Super Bowl. That would be beautiful. Uh, what do you think spread is in that game? So if it's Philly, if it's Philly if and it's San Philly, Francisco. Philly, it's nine and a half. At least. Yeah. Well, and we don't even, the thing is, is 
there are less than or equal to the number of injuries San Francisco has going into now is going to go in. We have right, no right. idea how many other Philly players are going to get shot during that game. What is, what is the Seattle? Because uh, Seattle certainly isn't a nine and a half point underdog. Maybe seven and a half. No, I mean if you look at the numbers though, so they were three and a half going in this week. That would imply six and a half on a neutral field. Add the three, San Francisco maybe a little less, so it'd be nine. But I don't think that's what it will actually end up being. Okay, because no. if they make it there, they will have beaten Philly. They they had just and they had just lost right. to the people the are going to overreact. Let, let's put it this way: I mean, we didn't think it should have been three and a half. Yes, let me let's put it this way: if San Francisco is laying seven. I'm going to lay the seven with San Francisco against Seattle the second, okay. the third time around. All right. Well, that's it. We will see you guys on Thursday. Happy New Year, folks. the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's.